on today's show. We are getting to know Keisha. But first, a word from today's sponsors. Andre Psyche is the freelance creator extraordinaire, someone who makes music, poetry, art, clothing, and lives to make others feel good. Search him up on any social media. It's Andre Psyche. That's P-S-Y-C-H-E. The next time you are looking to add some creative stimulation to your social media circle. Patreon.com helps creators like me earn a monthly income that will be put towards podcast expenses. Support the Getting to Know You Pod's creative endeavors through Patreon for as little as $2 a month. There are all sorts of costs that I had no fucking idea about associated with posting podcasts, not to mention the need for equipment and production. So dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know any of our guests or just want to help keep the pod going, go to our Patreon. The links in the description and your support of the Getting to Know You pod is very much appreciated. Two bucks too much? Here are three free ways to help. Get your thumbs ready. One, push the subscribe button on whatever app you're listening to the Getting to Know You pod on. Did that? Thank you. Two, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on your social media like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Go ahead, open those apps, click away if you haven't already. Thanks again. Three, go to Apple, write a review. The internet tells me this might be the most important and impactful. So thank you. Your support, dear listener, whether it's with your thumbs through our Patreon or ideally both, is greatly appreciated. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to know. Getting to hope you like me Because I'm good enough Getting to know you Putting it my way But nicely I'm smart enough You are precisely And doggone it My cup of tea And Keisha is being a very responsible parent Making sure her child is fed <laughs> Thank you Keisha for uh, taking the time To come on the pod Let people get to know you I appreciate it no problem at all. No problem. So in just doing a little cyber stalking with you, or, or I guess about you, I originally saw your tweet where your son is like jumping off of the couch, flying through the air and dunking like a little Nerf ball. Is that your daughter he's dunking on or? No, that's one of my friend's friends, uh, uh, daughter. It's it's hilarious because he's like, what, five or six in the video or something? Uh-huh. He's five. And, yep. and she's doing her best to block the shot with zero awareness, zero ability to jump at the age of maybe three. Yeah, well, she's four, but the, okay. she doesn't even like basketball. That's the funny part. <laughs> and he straight hammers <laughs> that thing down on her. And it is hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah. that was... She doesn't even like basketball. Ball, so she rather just sit under there and watch him. So. Yeah, she's definitely not gonna like it after that. That's a that's a no. life altering experience for that girl. You can, go ahead. You, you can cut that out. She ain't she definitely don't like it after that. <laughs> so that's the video, and I was like, dude, this seems like so funny. So I follow you, you know, ask you on, and then I go to your website, the Hall of Fame basketball training. Uh-huh. I, I have no idea you're this big of a fucking deal, man. Can like is it <laughs> Is it embarrassing if I read what's on the website? No. Oh, okay. Because uh-uh. good look, dude. So meet Keisha Watson, a five-year professional career in the United States and abroad, preceded Watson seven years of collegiate coaching experience, beginning as an assistant coach at Montana Tech. You were at Jayhawk Conference, Loyola College, Barton Community College. Then we get to like you playing aside from the degree in criminal justice and graduating from Oklahoma city university. This is where I was like, what the heck in 2012 (laughs) became just the second woman's basketball player in school history to be inducted into their hall of fame, a two time conference and national player of the year in her 2003, 2004 seasons. Watson led OCU to 142 and seven record. And apparently two of those losses were in championship games. 
<laughs> it was, was like, unfortunate. <laughs> right? So four trips to the NAIA National Championship game, capturing 2001-2002 crown with two national runners-up in 03 and 04, shattering the women's program record book with her career, finishing her career at the top of the school charts in, got to get my breath, points, assists, steals, field goals, three-pointers, made free throws, single-season records, points, assists, steals, three-pointers, three-pointed times. And this, this is where I was like, you were just a mean individual. A single-season game or a single-game record with 12 steals? And I still hold that to today. Dude, was it all on, like, one person? Are you just trapping? Like, are you... You nah, just saw it was, a weakness. It was pretty much. It was pretty much everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I didn't even know it until the end of the game. Just in the flow state. Yep. God, it. I mean, man, I was reading that, and I'm like, I, I, I was awestruck. <laughs> honestly, I was awestruck. Then I saw your hall. Is it the Hall of Fame acceptance speech on the top that you have pinned to your Twitter uh-huh. about yep. taking a step forward and the criticism, being like, all right. <laughs> Dude, I don't know you. I was in the hotel room and you said what? Oh no, I was just gonna say I don't know you and I immediately love everything about you. Yeah, it was it was more of a I had stuff on my paper and I was like, I'm gonna read this part, this part. But once I got up there, because I'm not really a speaker, like that's not my strong suit. I when I get in front of a crowd, I always crack. But when I when I got there and I grabbed the mic and I was like, This is my opportunity to share my story. This is my opportunity to tell tell the world how I felt or how I was treated throughout my career. And maybe I can help somebody else. And so that's when I grabbed that mic, I forgot everything on that paper. And I just, <laughs> and I just let it out. <laughs> Dude, it, it, it was dramatic. I loved it. The steps forward, not, not to mention it was just like on the basketball court, but you've got this long, beautiful, I think it was like a blue dress on, like you're dressed up, dressed up, but you can still see the hooper. It's like you're talking trash in this elegant cocktail dress. I love the, uh, <laughs> contradiction it was awesome i'm trying i was trying i was trying to make a point but in my head i'm like dude i i, I feel the basketball still in me right you know saying each and like you said trying to be elegant at the same time it i was a little baffled and pretty curious because you seemed so successful that there mm-hmm. seemed to be all this negativity mm-hmm. maybe not surrounding you but like in your head or in your space or something i was wondering if you just tell me a little bit about that well you know when you're doing good and I always and I always tell my son this. He's only five. I, I'm gonna tell him your biggest critics and your biggest haters are gonna be parents of other kids. It's gonna be fans that don't even know who you are personally. Because when I'm, I tell everybody when I'm between those four lines, I have something to prove. When I'm in those four lines, I I want to show people what I've been working on. So the passion of trying to you know trying to get that degree, trying to get people to understand that I'm not this bad person that they think because I'm on the court. Just like, you know, if you look at LeBron James or Russell Westbrook, and, you know, they always have these hecklers and the people that say they can't do it, this, that, and other, and they use that as motivation. But off the court, you're like, dang, he just built a whole school. Or, you know what I'm saying, they do <laughs> yeah. things in the community. It's like, these are human beings. Right. They're different between the court. And I, I think people took me as who I was on the court for who I was off the court. And off the court, I'm totally different. I was so shy. I was passive. Um, not even confident, you know, so I had to work on myself off the court as well as on the court. So you were that nasty of a player, like super aggressive, like. I was because I, I I wanted it. I wanted to be the first one to graduate in my family Mm -hmm. from college. I wanted to be the first one to go pro. So I knew in order to do that, I couldn't be nice. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't be nice because who who wants a nice player? I wasn't. I wasn't mean in the sense of, you know, taking it out on players or, you know, screaming at coaches or, you know, that type of stuff. I would just, you couldn't guard me. That's, that was my mentality. I'm going to outwork my opponent any day of the week because everybody has the same 24 hours. And that's what I tell them. Like, what I do, because refs would always tell me, I can't give you that foul because you're good. Well, oh. they have the same 24 hours that I have. Yeah, I hate that. I hate when... Yeah, so why, why are you telling a kid that, that works out 24-7 that... You're not gonna call it because of her being good. What's your um? So uh, score first mentality. <laughs> I love it that you brought that up. I was picturing more defense, and you were like, "Well, no, so, I'm a so score." <laughs> my first, my first year, I was trying to break the assist record. 
Oh, you no know, way. my role was not to score. So I accepted that role of getting everybody else to score. And then my second year, it was the same thing. You know, I had to, so my, it was like, okay, can I be a defensive player of the year? How can I help the team this year? Because it wasn't scoring because we had scores. Gotcha. But my junior and senior years, when it was like, okay, we, we need you to score. So that, that's when I had to change my mentality. Okay, I got to defend and score. So I would always try to take on the best player and then score at the same time. So it was, it was just my role and the role of the team changed throughout my freshman year to my senior year. Because if I would have played like I played my junior and senior year, it would have been, the stats would have been phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. But I knew my role. Yeah. Gotcha. Was that hard? I'm imagining you're a pretty good high school player coming out and most like best players oh. on the team. No, you weren't a good high school player coming out? I was okay. Okay. I was okay. I had probably two offers. Oh. I wasn't highly rated. I wasn't highly sought out, none of that. But once I got under Janelle Jones, who was my college coach, she showed me the game of basketball, not, you know, just the the footwork, the defensive principles, the, you know, that type of stuff. So after that, it was just like, okay, I'm growing as an individual. I'm growing as a basketball player. But high school, you know, you kind of use your athleticism. You kind of, you know, yeah, I scored a lot. Or yeah, I scored. But it wasn't, it wasn't like within the, like an offense. It was like, I'm just naturally, I work on my game. I, taught, I, I self-taught myself how to shoot. I self, You know, like everything was self-taught. Gotcha. So once I got to college, it was like, let me take that self-talk and build it to some uh, a phenomenal player. Within the system. So yeah, high school, I was not like, oh my God, everybody else thought that. <laughs> you know, I was it. But for me, it was just like, no, I got more. I, the reason I was thinking about it is because it seems like if you can score like that, and I know a lot of kids who are the man in whatever middle school, they get to high school and now you got to accept a role as a freshman. And they almost, mm -hmm. at least around here, it's hard for them. Like it's hard if you've started two years of middle school to go to high school and not make varsity. And they're like, man, right. this is stupid. A coach sucks. Instead of just embracing your role, embracing your moment. And I was, I, I was taken back by the fact that you were like, that wasn't my role. My role was to get assists. So I got assists and you seemed to accept it. Was it mm -hmm. easy to accept or did it take a lot to get you to that mentality? It was because she gave me that opportunity. She didn't have to give me no scholarship. Uh, and just just got um, our senior All American was leaving the point guard, and so I was competing against another senior. So my job was to not turn the ball over, score when needed, and get get into the scores that that's already established himself throughout those years. Gotcha. So for me, it was like okay, the opportunity. Yeah, I struggle because you know the game is faster. You have to think differently. You know, I've never been taught the stuff that she taught me. So it was that part of the transition was very hard because she rolled me because she told me you don't have time to be a freshman. So she's riding me every day. You got to get this better. This has to be better. This and I'm like, why is she riding me? And if you <laughs> listen to my whole my whole Hall of Fame speech, I talk about that. Gotcha. Yeah, that was only a snippet. If you YouTube Keisha Watson Hall of Fame speech, it's on there. Okay. Yeah, it's that that's something. So I'm I'm a middle school basketball coach, but I'm I'm not mm -hmm. a I'm not a player, right? I'm a teacher who right. coaches. I don't see myself as a coach who teaches, if that makes sense. Right. Absolutely. Um, but I've always heard, you know, you try to have a little bit of system, you run whatever, flex in middle school, and you can just right. see the kids, they stop playing basketball because they immediately yeah. start thinking. And that's just a repetitive pattern, like the most basic thing. The first time kids who have played basketball, watch basketball, they have to do it. They, they freeze. It slows them down. I watched some of this stuff at the NCAA tournament and college basketball and sets on sets on sets, baseline out of bounds, sideline out yep. of bounds, defense, mm -hmm. off, half court, transition. This is our fourth yep. option in transition. I don't understand. I couldn't imagine being 18 years old and taking college classes yep. <laughs> and having to balance that kind of knowledge. Because they, they expect you to know every position. Yeah, I would imagine, right? Seriously, that's point guard because you got to anticipate and make these little yep. reads. Yep, because you might not be a point guard on some games. Some games, they might move you to the two. Yeah. So you have to, you know, so you might, you have to do all those positions. That's why I said it's a, it's a full-time job. Yeah. It, you know, it, a lot of kids want to go college and play pro, college and go pro. It's a full-time job. It's nothing to play with. These coaches, these coaches trying to keep their job. So they're not going to, you know, play with you about n not knowing the plays. 
how were you as a student, like high school growing up? I was a good student, you know, respectable teachers, all that. But I wasn't like a, I wouldn't say like a straight A student. I would say probably B, C average. Gotcha. Because I'm always interested in like how the learning transfers. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like if you're naturally competitive, you kind of get competitive in all aspects of your life. And so... (laughs) Absolutely. You know, and some people are just naturally inquisitive. Some people naturally just need to move and they always want to move. So I was wondering. I was was more of a one-on-one. Okay. Like if you, if you like us talking, you'll get more out of me. Gotcha. That's why I went small NAI. You know, a lot of people, well, you're too good to be NAI. No, I'm not. Because I, like I said, my goal was to get to a degree. Mm. So if I'm going, I want to go to a, a class where they say, Hey, Coach, Keisha Watson won in class today. Somebody that's going to hold me accountable, as opposed to if I go D1, you got four to 500 students, and you don't even know if I'm there, and I can just go, not even show up. Gotcha. So that was for me. I wanted that one-on-one, that, that small class attention, because I felt like I needed that, because of the transition between the, the high school and the college. That's a lot of awareness at a young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm taken back by the humility yeah, I, I had to, cause I wasn't I wasn't a type of kid that, oh, I'm gonna go where the show is. I'm gonna go where people think that I that's best for me. I'm gonna go where, you know what I'm saying? Like what where it's quote unquote cool. No, I'm gonna go where I can play and get my degree. If I could play four years and win championships and get a degree and be able to go overseas, why not? Why not? A lot of kids get they get into this hype of instead of getting with the fit, they get with what's cool. Yeah. No to stay with what's fit and who wants you and she wanted me she came to the school and i said she woke me out she woke me out <laughs> but but i knew she genuinely wanted me got you and then that yeah. see it's it's making more sense now because then if you've got to have that role or that accountability the relationship has laid the groundwork for yep. you to be challenged exactly got and you. she challenged me on the date was it a hard conversation for you to accept the role being, I'm sure it wasn't like hard to be like, hey man, I want you to start right away. But the, like a specific, what you were talking about, hey, best defender and I need you no turnovers. Is that weird yeah. for you or? No, it wasn't weird because I was willing to do what we needed to do to get a championship. Because they had won three before I even got there. Uh, so they was three in a row when I got there. So they were going for their fourth in a row. Gotcha. And so for me, she was like, I'm not giving you a starting spot. So right then I knew, like, okay, she's not going to just let me have what what I feel should be given to me. She's going to make me work for it. And as she said, she said, I'm not giving you nothing. You earn your playing time. And then when she kicked off our All-American my freshman year, All-American guard, she kicked her off team because she wasn't going to class. Oh, wow. Right then I was like, she doesn't care about it. She doesn't care about who you are. If you're messing up the team and what we're trying to accomplish, then you got to go. Yeah. That's gotcha, she man. Kicked... Exactly. She went to class one time the whole semester. <laughs> so she ran her, you know. Yeah, right. And she, still... she still wasn't going. So she kicked her off, All-American. She was averaging like 15 points a game. 15 and 10. She did not care. Dude, that's a lot. But you got the respect of your players. And now we're like, okay, somebody got to stick up. Yeah. Yeah, that, um, I feel, and I, I didn't, they did decent in the tournament. Um, Memphis, when they were making a run, they had that kid, Imani Bates, who was like mm-hmm. really high out of high school. And I guess he, like, they started the year off poorly. And then mm-hmm. I guess he went to the bench. Like, they must have had some sort of come to Jesus meeting with the dude. And because he's the man, he was like one of these number one recruits. And um, I think he was getting maybe like six, eight minutes of playing time towards the end. And Memphis, mm-hmm. like, whew, took off. And it's one of yep. those things where the other people, really the other players who are trying to do stuff the right way, if they constantly see someone doing it the wrong way, now it's a double fight. Now they're fighting their own internal, I need to quit, this is hard. And on top of it, they're yep. like, well, other people get away with it. But I don't think a lot exactly. of people have the guts to do that, man, That's especially with that kind of player. That's what I'm saying. She cut her ass semester <laughs> and was unbothered. But everybody was like, because she didn't, she didn't have no favors. 
Favorites meaning like, okay, if you don't go to class and this person don't go to class just because you're a star, you okay. You know, that type of stuff. Yeah. You know, every coach has a favorite. You know, the ones that work hard, the ones that do things right. But, yeah, she didn't play that. And how did she address that with the team? Or what did she at all address it with y'all when the player got yeah. cut? You're, you're going to do what you do off the court affects everybody on the court. And that was her mentality. Every time, every time we went to center circle after practice and we huddled up, what you do? Because she didn't care about curfew. She didn't care about checking on you. You grown. Right. So what you do, she lets you know what you do off this court not only affects you, but it affects us. So the decision is yours. You're not going to class, you get punished. I don't care who you are. And that's how she addressed it. She said, I have zero tolerance because the, the boat will continue to move. So... She didn't go to class, and that was that. And the funny part is, she was my roommate. (laughs) So how awkward is it coming, like, back to the room after practice? Like, how long did she stay? She stayed the semester, but she had to go after the semester. And that's what I'm saying. I'm like, you're supposed to be an example for me. Her, I am a freshman, and you, (laughs) you ain't going to class. That's was crazy. Why didn't it uh, rub off on you? You would think you it would, right? Like if you got these stats, hey man, you're not having to go to class, but you're still good at basketball. Like, why not rub off no. on you? Because I was I was disciplined. I was raised different. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? You don't do what everybody else do. Gotcha. And like I said, I was hard to persuade in anything. Anything. You want to go to this party? No, I'm good. I got class in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Like I was I was I was a different. I don't know my mindset was different it was like i'm not getting in trouble i'm not going here because this person is here because i know they're trouble like i i I was always that person that didn't follow the crowd you fought you could follow me because i'm gonna leave (laughs) right what you know what i'm saying like i was never a crowd fault yeah you got a purpose i didn't follow the attention i didn't just i just wasn't i wasn't it until this day i'm still not it you can't you can't persuade me to drink or smoke or if i don't want to do it i don't want to do it no, and I'm not going to put myself in that situation, and that's the difference. I don't put myself in that situation to have to make the decision. Was it the loss of – because you had mentioned the college degree and being the first one in your family to get a college degree. So was it basketball had to provide the degree? So you're worried about, man, if I lose basketball, I lose the degree, or you just love the school? I think it was more so of the college being paid for for me to get that degree. Gotcha. Because – if I didn't get a scholarship, there's no way I could have paid to go to college. So I feel like basketball was my outlet. Basketball was my way of getting my school paid for. And I was going to do whatever it takes to get that. Gotcha. And then, in yeah. essence, not lose it. It's a, exactly. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, man, that, um, I, so you were in college in the 2000s, and now everybody's crying about student debt, and, you know, they go to these $60,000 a year schools for, like, a journalism degree, and it, it blows my mind. I have very little sympathy <laughs> when that stuff happens. Because I'm like, you made a choice to go to that school. You knew the price. Like, you should have figured something out. But that's a, that's, at the same time, a tough spot to be in because – if you're a first generation going to college, actually, yeah. If you're a first generation going to college, do you have a particular major in mind that you're like, I want to go to college to be this? Or you just got this, hey, man, I know college is a great way to make money, be respected. Well, I, I sat down because at first I wanted to be a physical therapist. And then, you know, I was always into like crime scenes. I was always into like the police stuff. And so finally I had a talk with my coach and, was like, and she was like, well, won't you do criminal justice? And so I was like, Oh, cool. You know? And then of course, once that was over, it was like, Oh no, I'm be a basketball player. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then, you know, like after, after college, I wanted to go overseas. So I was like, okay, I got my degree in criminal justice. When I'm done playing, you know, I'll do something in that field, but you know, coaching took over. So. Were you thinking like, parole probation were you thinking like actually work for police and go to crime well, scenes? I, wanted to do, I wanted to do physical therapy and i also want to do uh mortuary science but mortuary science Stop. wasn't at ocu you yeah. wanted to be around the dead bodies yeah is that what that is at first i did but then i took an internship and they cut them open and yeah i was done 
<laughs> I've never. So that smell, I said, no, nah, I'm good. So it's real. You know, you see them and they put the little like white stuff underneath their nose or whatever to like try to block it. It didn't help. Even when. And then it was a baby. It was a baby. So that just, it destroyed my whole, yeah, I couldn't do it. And you actually thought you could do it though? Like that? Oh, absolutely. I was very intrigued with that. I was very intrigued. I ain't gonna lie. I was very intrigued. But after they cut that baby open, I took off. I said, no, I'm good. Did you, yeah. like, all in my head, I'm picturing, like, these dudes when, like, you're having to, I think I've seen movies where they cut them open and they're, like, weighing organs to, like, yeah. figure stuff out. I don't know what they did at that. Once that slice went down and that stuff came out, that was it. I was done. <laughs> Count me out. Count me out. I just can't, I was done. I can't believe you thought you'd be okay. Like, I don't know how many people... Actually go into that being like, I'm not going to be bothered by what I'm sure, about the one, to see. The ones that do it on a daily now. <laughs> Maybe hunters. God. Like, yeah. I, I even get freaked out, like, butchering deer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, when dudes start hawking off limbs and legs and stuff, I'm like, I don't know. And I'll, this was the whole thing. And then the baby, I said, yeah, no. Y'all should have started me out slow. <laughs> <laughs> Giving me the frog. <laughs> yeah, it's like the frog. I would love that, but ooh, and that's funny. So, when in the college career did you realize, like, all right, I'm gonna try to make some money going pro with basketball? Was it early on that was always the goal, or did you finally re really? Always. Mm-hmm. And what yep. what was that journey like? Because I don't know how difficult. I've had a couple people who have been like semi-pro athletes who've come on. And who were pretty good high school and college people, but they didn't want to go overseas because they wanted to be, I guess, stateside. They didn't want to chase like the $50,000 contract for like a year. And those are guys. And I've heard women's basketball, the pay discrepancy is way yeah. more slanted. Yeah, I just wanted to be able to experience life for free, huh. if that makes sense. Like we, we, we didn't have much growing up. So if that was my opportunity to see another culture, another 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 country it it taught me how to cook it taught me how to you know stand on my own two feet it taught me that you know everybody doesn't live like us in the u.s oh. and it made you appreciate the little things it made you appreciate your culture and where you're from so those experiences i think that i always wanted to try on somebody else's dime <laughs> You are you know? all about people. Dude, I don't want to go to dinner with you. I feel like whoever goes to dinner with you has to buy all the time. No, I'm just saying, if I can get it for free. Yeah, I know. It's smart. Why? It's smart. It's smart. I can't fall. I'm the same exact way. I, so I went to National Guard once I heard, wait, I get a paycheck plus you pay for my college? And all I got to do is give you a week. Then I got a job while I'm in college? I, I was like... Dude, that's too, why would you not? I was looking at other people like, why y'all paying this bill, man? If you got exactly. opportunities to get someone else to do it. No, I'm, I'm with the mentality. Yeah, and I, and I wanted to continue to play too. So, and that was the best way to do it. Right. Was it as fun? It, it seemed like in your speech, college was a whole bunch of fun. Like I could it see was. the passion. I could go back. I would was, I was live in college for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was. And we had a good time. How did it compare when you became a professional? Oh, it's way better. Being a professional is way better? Oh, being a college student. Okay. It's that... not a... Because it's, it's professional, you have to be perfect in their eyes. So if you go over there, they think you're supposed to be... You're supposed to save the world because you're, you, you're, a, you're, a, you're a U.S. citizen. Really? So for them, you got to do everything correct. So it's a lot of pressure to keep your contract. Yeah, you sign it, but they can send you home at any time. You know, so the pressure is to perform every time you step on that floor. And so, you know, in college, yeah, you can perform, you can do this, you know, but you still get you still get to do what you love and not have as much pressure. Yeah, you get pressure to win games, but it's fun, you know. Yeah, it's the school. You know, you're getting paid and somebody's paying you to do a service. You got to do that service, you know, for what they're paying you. So 
I think that's the hardest is just the pressure and, you know, when somebody pay you, just like a boss, you know, when they pay you to do a job, you got to do that job. So. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, what country did you want to go into? I went to Slovakia my first year and then I went to Germany and then Iceland for three years. Dude, Iceland's on my bucket trip. I heard, so I almost went two years ago before spring break. I heard they got this one highway that just like basically goes around the island, right? Gotta go to Keflavik. Yeah, why is that? The Blue Lagoon. Is that that heated one that I, like everybody takes all the selfies in or it's like a natural geothermal? Man, that's like so nice. If they had one here, we have we make so much money. Yeah, it's nice, and the water is so pure. It, it's just a beautiful country. Gotcha. Yeah, you got to do like the special sunscreen or something like that, right? So you can't yeah. like do just the chemicals getting in there. And then summertime is it's light, twenty four hours. That's right. Yep. Yeah, and what season? Depressing. Say again. I said then in the winter it's depressing. Yeah, right. So that's actually what I was just thinking. And is the season over there in the winter the same time our normal basketball season yeah, is? It's dark, yeah. Yeah, so how do you deal with that, man? I just went to sleep. <laughs> Did my job and went to sleep. <laughs> Never slept so good. <laughs> that's it. But yeah, Iceland's real. It's, it's beautiful. I loved it. That's why I stayed for three years. In the, and it's Americanized. So everything is in English. Because that's their second language. Uh, yeah. Okay. So real easy to feel at home. Yep. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Slovakia, man. How'd you make that choice? I don't even know where that is. Like, I know it's in Europe. I know it's former Russian, yeah, they, but like... They had... I was, I was playing semi-pro in Lubbock, Texas with all the uh, WNBA players. And so they had called me, you know, reached out to my agent and said they need the point guard and they need her to come right away. And so I was like, cool, let's go. Because it was yeah. just that much better than semi-pro? Yeah. Not as far as being home with your, your peak, you know, the American peaks, but as far as, like, opportunity and money-wise, it was. So I, I, so I left probably next couple of days after they offered it. That quick? Yep. Like I was ready. Just to hoop, like, did you know much about Slovakia? Did you get a book? Because I'm thinking, like, what were we, 2005-ish? Yeah, I didn't I didn't look at nothing. I just got on the flight and came on home That's and, and went on the flight. But it was another American on the team, too, so that helped a lot. Okay. And yeah. then, Coach, do you have to have, like, a translator, or is Coach, like, bilingual? I, I did have a translator. He was on the bench. Okay. Because they, they, they didn't speak no English. Nobody, really. I can't imagine how. So I, I, I'm a middle school teacher, and a lot of times we get um, immigrant students. Um, so they come in without any language, and they're so like it. It's sad because you know children are mostly naturally happy, and you yes. know there's a personality in this kid, and they're mm -hmm. they're like so in themselves. They they don't want to get anything out because they're so lost. And I can't imagine oh. what that's like as an adult. I was the same way. Yep. Trying to figure out because the first week, all I ate was a Snickers because I knew what it was. <laughs> no lie. I didn't know what because of the the what the, the labels on there. I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so then I learned how to cook French fries. I figured out what a French fry was, and then I found the chicken place. It had little chicken, the little chicken packs. So I would go there. So other than that, I I was winging it because I had no idea. You didn't, like, the team didn't, um, I don't know, like, that wasn't part of their welcome package for you? Like, uh -huh. hey, here's some nothing like that. Here's how to get around. Not until the American came, and she kind of, you know, took me on her wing. She was a, uh, um, she was a veteran. So she kind of knew, you know, the ins and outs of being overseas and, you know, getting your bank account, not, have, you know, holding on to your money, that type of stuff. So she taught me a lot. Yeah, I was wondering about that, not to get too into your pockets or your finances, but I wonder like how that works when you're getting paid in a foreign country, but you're American. Are you just keeping everything like in their currency because you're living mm -hmm. all there? Are you trying to flip it back to America, doing American taxes? Uh, I, I keep it in ours because our uh, dollar is, is higher. So I keep, keep it in and I put it in. They have 
you I usually bring a safe and just keep it in the safe, like a small safe when I fly over. Or I'll put my first year I put it in their bank. They had a little bank that you could put in, like American banks. Okay. So they would pay you in dollars. Yes, I wanted dollars because okay. it was way more than their money. Gotcha. Yeah, so that's why I tell people, like, make sure you know what currency you're being paid in. Okay. I guess that... Yeah, see, I would have thought they would. it would have just been the equivalent. Like, whatever, if it's 50 grand and then whatever their currency is, so you can get 50 grand American or you can yeah. get, like, 300,000 of ours. But if you don't know, they would try to get over on you. Oh. Yeah. They don't mind doing that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me text my son. Okay, they on there. Oh, did you have an agent that was looking out for you? Or like how? Yeah, he found me in, um, when I was in college. He showed up to a game and he was going to represent somebody else. And so he saw me playing against her. Uh. <laughs> and he ended up, the crazy thing is, he ended up signing me by her. Yeah, well. Uh, it was weird. I'm thinking he's going to sign both of us. And no, he said, no, I only had one slot left and I want to give it to you. So, Was it the 12 steel game? Is is that the game where you crushed this poor girl's dreams and she no longer had an no. agent? <laughs> oh, no, it was one of our rival teams. So, yeah. Man. No, that's, that, that team was like, you know, early on when you have those Rudy Boot teams and warm-up teams. Oh. It was, yeah. Yeah. Not that I didn't, you know, get 12, but. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe like six of them were kind of like, eh. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you know, nobody knows looking at the record book. <laughs> right. That's funny. It's like one of those dudes. I remember that like in college football, those teams get paid like a quarter million dollars to go get whooped by Alabama, yeah. you know? And yeah. it's like, we just want to warm up, make our players feel good. And that's basically what we did. That's basically what it I'm trying to think back because you had mentioned WNBA against some WNBA players in the semi-pros. And I'm trying to make like a timeline of the WNBA back in 2005 because I think it started in 99. Yeah, it was. um, Because it had to be early on. I'm going to send you a picture of who it was. I'm curious about was the WNBA your ultimate goal and you just want to take that first professional opportunity because it like helps a resume, helps a rep? It it honestly was not a goal of mine. Simply because, like I told you before, the pressure of trying to keep a contract. You know, you can start thinking you made it and then next thing you know, you wake up and you don't have a contract. You know, or you cut. But wouldn't you want to... I'm sorry. Uh, I knew overseas, overseas that I I I, I could play. Not uh, saying I couldn't play in the WNBA, but it's it's like the it's like the how I chose NAIA over D1. Uh-huh. Like I knew my chances overseas was higher than my WNBA chances of, you know what I'm saying, making the money that I needed or deserved. Yeah, that looks good to everybody else, but for me, I knew. That wasn't really something that I wanted to do. Or, you know, just pursue every time. Yeah. Get that stress. Like, like when I, yeah, when I played with them, like I was in the rotation with them. Like it wasn't like I was on the bench or nothing like that. I was literally in rotation with them. Yeah. So I know I could compete with them, but you got to think about it. It's only 10 spots per team. And you got kids that, you know, Big time D ones that they gonna take over somebody that came in the eye. Political, gotcha. you know the politics part of it. Oh really? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought about. That. Is it what? How does it get political, or why is it political? Because you got the big time Tennessee. You gonna take a person that sat on the bench that didn't have a play that didn't play at all, just because she's under Pat Summit. As opposed to an NAIA kid that nobody really, quote unquote, seen or know or, you know what I'm saying? That's what I mean by the political part of it. Is the, is the goal, like, are they hoping that the brand recognition transfers? 
So if I got the Tennessee kid, I can market the Tennessee kid. People know Tennessee. I guess now it would be like UConn probably would be the modern yep. day, right? Or South Carolina yep. with Don mm-hmm. Staley. Yep. Exactly. Oh, dude, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel like you want the, I feel like you want a four year starter versus potential like W, especially in a yeah. WNBA product, because early on, I know they were losing money like crazy. And don't you want people who can hoop, not the potential like these dudes get drafted in the NBA and out of high school and you got to wait like six years for them to make an impact. Yep. But no, they don't. Cause you got, they only got so many spots. We don't have a lot of spots like the NBA, you know, they, and I was making more money overseas than there. So why not take overseas? Yeah. I've heard that. Cause, um, who was it? Diana, was Diana. Taras? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like she steady playing over in Russia and she was like, this is nuts. I'm like the best. I'm, I'm me and Sue Bird, right? Like we're goats. And and, all they, and all they had to do is play one month and they made more than their whole season. That's insane. It's insane to me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Did you ever get into like hearing about or messing with the owners of the WNBA teams and why it is like that? Like the, I think it was the New York Liberty. Did you see that they almost, they lost a draft pick and they almost yeah. got like kicked out of a league because they had chartered flights for their players. Oh yeah. Which was an unfair like, competitive advantage. It's like, that's what they supposed to have. Why? Like if you got a cheap owner, man, like sell your team. Cause clearly the <laughs> other people have figured out a way. Thank you. So yeah, that's the- I'm just wondering, do you like, do you have any experience inside? You're the closest connection I've, I've ever met to a WNBA insider. <laughs> I, I, I really don't know why they did this. But yeah, they never had charter flights. Never, which is weird to me, because, I mean, they're professional just like anybody else. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, what are the are the crowds that much bigger overseas in women's games? Is it like TV rights? No, Do you I, know how the money? Why the money is better? I just think that they they know like. Because, you know, you play, when you're overseas, you got 14, you're playing with 14-year-olds. So they start them young, like playing professional. Cheap labor. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just, it's just American is that we just don't do things the correct way. <laughs> At least for that. Yeah. That's, I didn't think about that. So they get their young kids in there. So was that weird for you? Beating up on high schoolers? Being out of college? No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> step on the floor. Did I tell you come over? <laughs> Did I tell you uh, step on this floor? You decided that. So it's all fair game now. It's fair game after that. I love how matter of fact you are about it. <laughs> just like, nope. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's free game now. Oh, why didn't you stay in Slovakia? Uh-uh. Mm-mm. It wasn't for me. I said, I prayed for a pay cut to get me out of there. That's how bad I was ready to go. Prayed for a pay cut? And I took a pay cut just to get out of there. Why was it so bad? Because it wasn't Americanized. That's simple, huh? The daily life. It- yeah, the daily life of you know having a translator. Nobody spoke English. The it was it was a lot. It was it was too much. So that's why I went to Germany. Gotcha. And a yeah. year in Germany, and it wasn't Americanized enough until you found Iceland. No, or in Germany, it was nice. I had a chef. I had an apartment. Yeah, she would cook us breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Stop. Yeah. Hey. Uh, but they ended up um, not having Americans the next year or something like that, if I remember correctly. Like the team made a decision, we're going to go yep. non-American? Mm-hmm. Do they explain that to you? Like, it's, are they trying, is it a pay cut thing, save money? I didn't, I really, I didn't really care because the teammates was rude. <laughs> they, they weren't good teammates, so I didn't really care what they, uh, what they did. So. That's. Yeah, how is that? Can you tell me a little bit about collegiate? I feel like collegiate teammates, you see the bench, they're going nuts. It seems like the coaches 
do a ton to like build mm-hmm. a team because it, it, it seems like it really, really matters. There seems genuine excitement and emotional care of the success of others, which can be very hard. Mm-hmm. But professionally, is it just because like, hey, man, you're here to get paid? Do they not care about that or? Uh, they, they, they are bananas. Overseas crowds are bananas. Yeah. Good job of, of support. They really do. But like, like I said, I just, the, the players was not. Yeah. Yeah. Was it genuine hate uh, towards America? Or what did you take it as? Why do you think they were wonky? Um, I think they're threatened about it by position. Hmm. You know, just taking their playing time. Well, I'm American. I'm supposed to. <laughs> you know, they, they brought me over here to help the team. And I wasn't into, you know, everything that they were into. Like, I'm not going to be, you know, spending the night at y'all house. I'm not going to be drinking and drinking and driving and that type of stuff. Like, because that's, that's okay for them. That's not our culture. We don't drink and drive. Gotcha. You know, so I wasn't into what they was into. Huh. Yeah, so. And then how was the team in Iceland? Oh, that was my people's. Yeah. <laughs> I still talk to them. Do you really? Yes. Them is, that's family out there. They treated me like royalty. Royalty in a sense of them as my sisters, you know. We here to win. We know what you go. We're gonna help you. We're gonna help you help us win. Yep. Okay. Yeah. What's the goal over in Iceland? Like is it just a league championship or cause I feel like cups. overseas they get like club tournaments and you bounce around a little more. Yeah, they have cups. So each cup you win, you win money. Okay. Mm-hmm. How that so it's Huh? I was just, how'd that go for you? <laughs> oh, it went good. We lost one year, the year I said I was going to retire. And um, we had lost. And I said, oh, no, I'm coming back. He was like, you coming back? I said, yeah, I'm not going out with a, with a loss. Are you crazy? So I came back for another year and we won. That was it for me. So why did you want to retire? I was, I was out. I, I didn't, it's not that I didn't have the love for it no more, but it's funny. Cause I told my mama out of high school that I was only going to play professional five years. Called it. And that's that. It, it was just like, I was, I was done. It was, I did my time. I seen what I needed to see and it's time to try something different. And that's when you came back to the States and got into coaching. I was I started out as coaching AAU. Okay. And that was it. And did you like? Did you have a preference, like AAU coaching or the college coaching, the levels of coaching? Because it looked like you had. I mean, Loyola's. I didn't big... even want to coach, to be honest with you. But when I had came back, my AAU coach said something to me, and he said, "Why aren't you coaching?" I said. Because I don't want to. I don't want to deal with the parents. I don't want to deal with the kids. I, I just, you know, I just that's what I said. He said, you have to give back what was given to you. And so I just looked at him. And I never forgot that. Never forgot that. And so from then on out, I just, you know, gradually got into AAU. And then, then it turned into college. And that was it. I feel like college coaching would be so scary if I'm starting a family. Because you lose that job, or if you're an assistant, well, the head coach gets fired. I didn't get him until later on. Didn't my get... son? Oh no, yeah. I guess I'm just thinking, like, in, as in like a theory. It, I'm always, in, I'm always admiring the risk the coaches take and the dedication to the game because you got to move, you got to chase opportunities. It's not like yep. you lose mm-hmm. one school, you just go ten minutes down the road to the next school. It seems yep. so rare. It is. Let's see these kids walking to the window. Yeah, it looks like it's getting dark on you. God. It is. <laughs> but okay. I know as soon as I go in the house, my son's going to be talking, so I had to stay in the car. <laughs> gotcha. I won't hold you up too much longer. I appreciate it. Um, I'm, so, AAU, this is something as a non-basketball player I've wondered mm-hmm. about. Because it seems like AAU just gets crapped on, but yet everybody does it. 
And I don't yeah. know like what is the balance? Does the whole system need to be redone? Because it just seems like all it is is exposure for kids and it's zero teaching. You don't have any passion in the moment. You just play six games in a weekend and then you're like, oh, done. And you're almost like over pitching for kids. It's like well, you're overplaying. A lot of people expect you to come in already ready. Like already skilled, already already worked on that. So if you come in from your high school team or your middle school team, they expect you to have already learned because you only got two months, two or three months in the summer to play AAU. And you might get one or two practices a week, and then you're playing. So they expect you to do stuff on your own. When we come to practice, we working on what we need to work on and, and going about our way. So you really have to be moving. Because like I said, you only got two or three months. And then you back to, you know, back to school has started. So they expect you to already know it. And it sucks because some kids don't know it. Yeah. So then that's the disconnect is if you don't use the off days to work right. on your individual game and yep. you just want AAU to develop you, that's not the purpose. At them. Yeah. Because they're not going to develop you because you're supposed to be already developed. See, that makes sense. Like That's such a simple perspective change. Mm-hmm. That makes it, okay, then that's the point. Like, I work on my game Monday, Tuesday, hit up a team practice, learn whatever the system is, some basic maybe baseline yep. bounce plays. Thursday, that's Friday. That's how they're going to practice, just go over skills, give you a cute couple plays, and then y'all go scrimmage. Right. They're not, they're not working on your footwork, working on, you got to already have it. Because you're on a time crunch. Right. Because you, you out the gate. As soon as that season over during high school or middle school, AAU starting. Yeah. I don't have time to teach you the stuff that you should already know. Is that why you got into the training aspect? No, I've just always been a player development type person. Uh, just breaking down the, the details and breaking down the the little stuff that the game can't teach you so because it's so fast. Hmm. And that's like kids is not even elite. Because I want to teach them from the ground up. And say, okay, I see the development that you made. Yeah, it's easy to find somebody that's a like Aaliyah Moore plays in Texas. I train her. It's easy for her because she's already already an elite player. You know, McDonald's All American. So yeah, I can say, oh, I trained her. But if I didn't bring her from the bottom to the top, then that's not a development. Yeah, she'd get better, but I want to develop. I look at my as a player development trainer. And that's where you really find joy? Mm-hmm, yes. Just seeing that kid that couldn't dribble between her legs, being able to between, go between her legs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It... And the joy that she gives you because she, she accomplished that goal. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what motivates me. I have no desire to coach at this point. How do you stay sharp? with like teaching and drills do you like is it a clinic thing are you on youtube or do you just have like a creative mind you got enough experience from your own professional experiences i, I do everything if i'm drawing a blank i'll find i'll youtube some stuff and then i'll i'll look at it and then i'll counter it to make it mine mm. so if they're just you know sitting there dribbling behind the back i'm gonna give you a a crossbow behind the back or a pound crossover behind the back. You know what I'm saying? Something that makes it more of mine and not me feeling like, okay, I'm using a drill. Gotcha. I'm just going to count and make it more creative to my, my liking. So, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't mind it at all. Do you have any sort of like formula or template? So like, Hey man, I, I need you three times a week, hour and a half. And in my hour and a half, we're doing 30 minutes of ball handling, 30 minutes of shooting, 30 minutes of forward. Are you like that rigid with it? Or is it more of a vibe? Because I've never been around like really a um, trainer trainer like that. It's more of a vibe for me because I can go off the top of my head. Uh, okay. I, me seeing who's in the gym with me. So if I can see a kid that is a beginner, I'm not going to throw out what I would with the girl that's been with me all summer. Right. So I would try to kind of bring it down to a level of not a level for her, you know, the the quote unquote the person that's been with me all summer, 
but I would I would give my beginner the modified way. Yeah. If I say no, I can't do this. I'm not gonna put her in a position the position to lose her confidence because she can't do this. Yeah, that's you the know worst. like the the one that's already been with me all summer. No, you go hard. Right. Yeah, this might be quote unquote beginner for you, but you go hard to make it feel like it's not a beginner. So I really, I really, I will put some stuff down sometime and write it down, but most of the time I'm going off the top of my head. Do you have a, a like a time frame in mind that you feel is pretty good for kids? Like if someone's going to the gym, how long should they be putting in work? With hour, like, hour. Because if you go, yeah, if you're going hard, that's all you need. Gotcha. You stand in that two or three hours, your attention span is gone. <laughs> I mean, it is. It is with them kids. Their attention span is gone. They're no longer here. What you saying after two hours? Gotcha. Now, would you take? But that, yeah, I just. Would you take that same mentality towards like coaching in season, or do you think that's okay to keep it a little absolutely. longer? Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, I'm just too wordy. I'm thinking. Uh-huh. I'm just thinking of myself, like self-reflecting when I coach, I probably, I probably burn these kids out, man. I like, I try to do like a little 10, 10 minute segments, think a little games, you know, that translate into skills, hopefully within for the, for the five on five game. So, you know, whatever you want to work on passing. So you come up with some stupid little rules, set a score, make it competitive. Um, But I don't know, man. I wonder if I just got to get better myself at like making it shorter, but more intense versus. And that's, I am. I'm like, you can get a lot out of them in an hour and a half than you would, you know, going soft for two to three hours. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I just, I just always been a, you get in here and you give me everything you, you got and then we're good. Right. But if you don't give me everything you got, then we got to keep going. Cause that means you wasting my time and you wasting your time. If you can't get a good a good workout in an hour and a half, then you need to go sit down somewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really like just how how like direct and simple you state things, man. But it, it's it's so true. <laughs> like I clear it's like my page. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, clearly, you don't want it. Sit down. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I tell my five year old son that you don't want to shoot, you don't want to work out. Okay, cool. Right. I'm not forcing you to do Yeah. Yeah, that's almost the I, worst. Yeah. Mm-mm. You ain't finna resent me back in, when you get older. <laughs> that's, those are some words, right? I feel like that's where the AAU parents or the parents that are the worst kind of parents to like just be around are the ones that yeah. their kids are going to wind up resenting because the parents suck all the joy and camaraderie out of it by being so singular-minded, so focused on just their kid. Cause I got a, I got two kids that don't even want to play basketball, but their daddy pays me so much money to train them, and I, all they want to do is run track, but he wants them to play basketball. Yeah. But they have tired to play, so I'm gonna have that hard conversation and let them know, hey, it ain't about the money for me. Your kids don't want to play, cause eventually they're gonna resent you. And. That's got to be terrible for you because if they're training with you, that's a little bit of your reputation on the line. And why would you want to put a product out there that – because if the kids aren't into it, the kids aren't going to do the stuff. They're... No, they they do it. <laughs> very t- they very talented, but they just don't like it. Gotcha. They just don't like it. And they want me to have that conversation with their dad. Oh. Mm-hmm. So I got to have that tough conversation. Now, I can, I can have it. It's still going to be his decision. But I told you, because it's not about money, but this is what it is. Is, so. is the person or is the basketball training like your source of income? Is that your main job? Yes, and I, no, not my main job. I teach uh, physical education. Okay. Tuesdays and Wednesdays, though. That's it. Uh, oh, just two days a week? Mm-hmm. And then I own three businesses. I would, so what I was wanting to get to was um, I, I admire business owners. Seems like such a risk 
And I'm curious mm-hmm. what it was like trying to transfer all this knowledge you have to uh to businesses. It's been it's been it's been good. I've been having to Google. And it's been challenging me because it's giving me something else to, you know, challenge me. I like to be challenged. And so if I can challenge be challenged some with something outside of basketball, I'ma always do it. Cause I have a landscaping business and then I have a um a toddler play. Soft rental. Oh, no way. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and then basketball. So as I said, I was just trying to find something to stimulate my mind outside of basketball. And so physical education, being able to teach these kids, not even PE, just being around them. You know, a lot of kids come up to me and it's like, hey, I just need a hug today. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, it's something outside of basketball. What about, do you have any, like, weird hobbies? <laughs> like, do you knit? <laughs> no, I fish. <laughs> oh, are you? Do you fish? Mm-hmm. How do you get into that? Uh, I, I might be wrong about Oklahoma. Are there a ton of lakes around there? Yeah, my grandma. My grandma, uh, uh, they had a, they named the lake after her. No way. Yep, before she passed, they gave her, her this lake. It's about an hour and a half from us. And so it's our family lake, so we go out there and go fishing. Dude, that is... How did that happen? I'll get a lake named after you. Well, because she... She's been going there for, whoo, probably 30-plus years. And we would always do our family trips there. Like, we would camp out. We'd sleep in our cars, you know, put our tents up and just fish all night. Because anytime we fish, we stay overnight. And so we just made it a tradition. Every holiday we'd go out there. And so they they figured out who she was. And so they named it after her, just being there so many times, so many years. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Called Annie Watson Landon. <laughs> oh, that's a great name. Mm-hmm. Man. Well, Keisha, I don't want to keep you forever. I know you're in your car and you got a son to get to. Um, thank you so much for coming on and just... Uh, Letting people get to know, hopefully, a little bit more about you and um, for answering my random social media message. I appreciate you having I, some faith and trust in me. Oh, yeah. No problem. Because like I tell everybody, I don't do this often. <laughs> but you I, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't no ill will. You know, a lot of people come in my inbox and it's more, it's mo- more motives than anything. Motives? Like to... Yeah, motives. Like a lot of people like, can you train my daughter? And then it'll turn sexual. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Oh. It's like, no, just say what you want. Hey, can I, like some guy, he asked my number to train his daughter. I give him my number. And he's texting me about taking me on a date. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Like that type of stuff. It's like, dude, if that's what you want to do, just say that up front. You don't have to go through. Because <laughs> when I'm talking about my business, that's my business. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you using my business to try to get to me. And that's not going to work. Yeah, it seems disingenuous. Like you're already That's starting, not- you're already starting behind. I don't know how you're gonna overcome that. Thank you. So I have to block so many people a day. Yeah. And that- now you plan money. <laughs> yeah, so actually, it, it, if you have whatever a minute to talk, that's something that's hard for me to gain perspective on. But I've had a, a couple people talk about that. Just the female experience on social media. It is that yeah. bad, huh? <laughs> it is. It is because they will use that. They would use it to their advantage. Hey, I, I have a daughter or some people that you train. And you, you know, that's your passion. Yeah. So, of course, you don't respond. Of course, you want to, you know what I'm saying, get other clients. And then, you know, once you respond, it's like, well, I just want to see if I can take you on a date. No, I don't miss business with pleasure. <laughs> now, if you would have came at me and said, hey, I would like to take you out, then I would be more receptive to it. But the fact that you try to go around like that, I can't, I can't get with you like that. And because men don't do that, They're, that's what little boys do. <laughs> Just saying, <laughs> dude. You, no, I'm, I'm, I'm giggling because I guess that's how I acknowledge truth. It tickles me. <laughs> I love it, Keisha. Man, thank you again so much for um, all your honesty and openness. And um, enjoy the rest of your night, man. I really appreciate you coming on. And I've no problem.
getting to know you. Thanks to Andre Psyche for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Search up Andre Psyche on social media. Give him a follow just for the fuck of it. Dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know today's guest or just want to support this upstart podcast, go to our Patreon. For as little as $2 a month, your donation will help with all the costs associated with producing the Getting to Know You pod. Don't forget the three free ways to support the pod. One, subscribe to the Getting to Know You pod. Two, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Three, go to Apple, write a review. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. If you're interested, just message us. See ya.